Good morning, St. John's Church family, uh, or whatever time of day that you happen to be joining us online. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here. And uh, on behalf of our church family, we just want to welcome you. We're glad you've joined us to worship this morning. Um, if it's your first time worshiping with us online, we are so glad that you're here. And we would encourage you to fill out the Connect card. It's in um, the description. There's a little link there uh, that you can click or on the screen. If you fill that out, we'll just send you a note thanking you for worshiping with us. That's all it is. Um, we'd also love to, to answer any questions you might have about ways to get involved. If you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you. Um, whatever you need, we'd love to be able to serve you through uh, communicating with us that way. Um, if you would like to give an offering as an act of worship, and we are so thankful for the many of you who have continued to be faithful in this way, um, we want to encourage you to do that online as well. There's a link in the description, and you can give give that way. Uh, families, if you have kids, uh, we would love to encourage you to click the link for St. John's Kids at Home. Every single Sunday, there's a new lesson, a new opportunity to grow in your faith with your kids. And we also have a children's sermon as part of our outdoor worship services. In addition to our 8 and 10 o'clock services online, we have a 10 o'clock outdoor in-person service at Babe Man Park when the weather is permitting. And uh, it, that includes a kid's message most weeks from Steve and Cassie Quist. So uh, we would love to have you join us out there as well. Uh, but for right now, uh, let's open up our Bibles and, and join uh, together in Genesis chapter 1. That's the scripture reading that we're going to be reading this morning. And while you're looking for that, whether it's in your physical Bible or on the Bible app, um, I just want to encourage you to just join me in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I just want to thank you that we have this privilege to come before you and to open up your word together, to start off this, this brand new sermon series. And um, God, I pray that you'll teach us something new as we open up what might be very familiar words to a lot of us because we know that your word is living and breathing and that you have your wisdom to speak into our hearts today. If we would just be open to that happening. And so we pray that you would open us up by your spirit, that we might be changed and grow to be more like you than when we came. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned in my prayer, we, we are starting a brand new sermon series this Sunday. It's called Summer Stories. And we're going to, for the next six weeks, highlight some of the very common, well-known stories from the Old Testament. But we're going to talk about how they are significant to the moment that we're living in in our lives right now. And so what better way to begin the series than talking about the very beginning itself in Genesis 1. So again, Genesis 1, that's where we're at. It's the story of how God creates the heavens and the earth. And we're going to read just the first few verses, and then we're going to talk about it. So, so let's open up Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, when I last preached on that passage, it was just November, so it wasn't really that long ago, we, we learned that the entire story of creation is just full of imagery and symbolism. Like, like water, for example, throughout the Bible is, is used to communicate the building blocks of life itself, but it's also used to communicate the chaos that we see in this unformed world. I mean, look at the picture here in Genesis 1. You've got this never-ending abyss of 
ocean. It's actually terrifying. And it reminds me of, of a time, it was about 12 years ago now, the church I was serving, we took a group of teenagers on a mission trip to the Virginias. And on the way, we, we traveled through and over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and Tunnel. Has, has anybody else been on that bridge and tunnel? If you have, uh, comment in the comment section so that others know that we've had this similarly terrifying experience. If you don't know what it is, it's a, a 17.6 mile bridge and tunnel that goes across the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay where it meets the Atlantic Ocean. And so it's, it's terrifying because you see the ocean just going on forever and you're driving on it, and then before you know it, you're driving in it. You actually go in it. The tunnel goes through the water. And, and I bring this up because it wasn't long ago I had this nightmare that I was driving with my family in our minivan, my wife and the kids. We were, we were on this bridge over the ocean, and it reminds me exactly of what I saw in the Chesapeake Bay. And in the dream, it was a nightmare because the bridge just ended and our van went over the bridge and into the water, and I woke up, and I was terrified. And it was a couple of, of weeks after that, that that I brought it up to someone else, and, and I said, what do you think that means? And and we talked about it. He said, well, are you feeling like life is, is a little bit out of control lately? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> I think most of us are. There's a lot of things in life that just feel like utter chaos, and and, and that's what the water represents here in, in Genesis. It represents fear. It represents chaos. It represents a lack of order. And yet, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And that's a comfort, isn't it? Like, like on a year like this, a year that feels like so much chaos, what a comfort it is to know that God's presence is everywhere that on the surface feels out of control. And so, so God in his presence creates order for creation. And as we continue in Genesis 1, we see that that order begins with light. Check this out, Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, I love how before God created anything else, he created light to be able to see it with. Like, like when you're a kid, right, and you're afraid of the dark, and you have to get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you're tiptoeing through the dark. What's the first thing on the wall you reach for? You reach for the light switch, right? You want to be able to see. And, and, and don't think that just because you, you are older now that you've outgrown this. Now, now, you and I, we might not be afraid of the boogeyman jumping out of the closet or that pile of dirty laundry in the corner, but how many of us obsess over the news? How many of us obsess over our, our account balances or social media? I mean, I mean, just think about it. Isn't, isn't it just our adult attempt to shed some light over something that, that we can't see, that, that feels out of our control? Like, like I want to know what's happening in the world, and so I obsess over the news, or, or I want to know what I'm missing out on that my friends are doing, and so I obsess over social media. And, and here's the problem. With all of that, and we've talked about this a lot, I think, recently, but, but it seems to keep dragging us back, so I want to dig a little bit deeper into it. It's, it's not that we have this desire for the disordered things in our life to have order. See, God made us for order. 
And so it's natural that we're going to want to find order in the midst of the chaos. Chaos feels unnatural. But see, there's only one light that will bring order to the chaos. And sometimes it isn't the light that we're looking for. The light that brings order to everything is Jesus. And you could have probably imagined that, but I didn't make it up. John 1 says that in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so, at best, the things that we often grab for first are just reflections. And at worst, they bring a false light that doesn't actually bring any light at all. And sometimes, you, you want to know if it's a false light or not, sometimes the more you look at it, the more darker your world feels. I mean, I mean just, just think about this. How many of us have experienced that the more news that we consume, the more social media that we swipe through, the more we worry about our finances, the more stress and chaos we actually feel? And the reason why is because God's light is different. God's light is different than the lights that we often seek our own peace from. Because more than light, God knew that in the midst of the chaos and the darkness and the deep depths of the ocean, we need something tangible to grab hold on. We need something tangible to grab hold of. And so it's out of this this true light that that God in Genesis creates everything. And, And we don't have time to go through it all this morning, but take a look if your Bible is open. Look, he creates order between day and night. He creates order between land and sea, creatures of the water, animals and plants. And then the crown over all of it is you, you and me. In Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. If you have your own Bible, I want you to underline, highlight that. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He created them to to rule over everything. But another way of saying that might be that they were created to be God's agents of order in his created world. To bring this this familiar summer story to, to this moment that we're living in, I think maybe the better question for us to ask today is if, if that's our calling as the crown of God's creation, well then who's going to bring order to our lives? Who brings order to us? I mean, it's, it's nice, right, that, that God made us in his likeness and image with power to rule over everything. I, I actually like preaching about that part. I, I look back at my other sermons over the last number of years in Genesis 1, and, and they all land there. They all end up ending at the place where we talk about how we're made in God's likeness and image. And that's a beautiful truth, but... But when everything feels so up in the air, right, like it does in this particular moment, maybe the better question we should be asking first is who rules us? Who rules us? I mean, we look at the world and we're like, why isn't somebody taking care of this? But here's the truth. We can't order anything around us if we don't let God bring order to our lives first ourselves. We can't find order in anything around us if we don't first allow God to bring order to our lives ourselves. And, and this, this makes me think about my kids. 
Let me follow me for a second. Every, every one of them has gone through a phase where they've played with these wooden building blocks. You know, the, the ones that every kid has. They're, they're, they're the wooden ones with the letters and the pictures and the numbers. And, and I love how they, they play with them differently depending on how old they are. Like under a year, it's, it's all about just whether or not they can grab hold of it. And then once they've got it, can they get it in their mouth? And then after that, as they get a little bit older, then they learn how to stack multiple blocks together. Of course, by the time there may be two, they can build a tower, and we all know the best reason to build a tower is to knock it down, right? That's always the best thing. But see, in order for a child to be able to focus on bringing order to the blocks. Because I'll show you my box of blocks. There, there's no order to them right now. This is the way we keep them. They're, they're disordered in this box here. In order for a child to actually build something out of these blocks, in order to bring order to them, they need to be confident that their more basic needs are met first. Like, like if you ever witnessed a child that's, that's really hungry and crying of hunger, trying to build blocks at the same time. Probably not. Their stomach is going to distract them. Can, can a toddler maybe who's, whose parents have left them with a new babysitter and, and they're, they're freaking out, they've got stranger anxiety, do you think in the midst of all of that they can build blocks? No, they just cry. But see, when a child has confidence confidence that there is order and peace in their little world. If, if their tummy is full, if their parent is near, then they are set free to build. They're set free to build and bring order to the blocks. I mean, doesn't mean they don't get frustrated when their older sister comes and knocks it down because she's trying to help. Maybe that's just my family, I don't know. But if somebody can they can trust is, is there in their presence. And, and they can look over and they know that that person is there. Even if they get upset, they can take a breath. They can look for some reassurance. And eventually they can begin to build again. Now again, this is not just something that happens when we're kids. It's, it's the story of Job, another story in the Old Testament. Not one I think we're going to touch here, but, but, but the man of, of faith in Job, he was, if you don't know the story, he was a man of faith who lost everything. And he cried out to God in Job 7. He said, he said, what is mankind that, that you make so much of them, that, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test their every moment. Job is being sarcastic here. He's saying, God, how can you possibly care so much when on the surface it looks like everything is falling apart? And I think we've asked that question before too, haven't we? I have, that's for sure. And friends, the story of creation reminds you and me that God cares. And he cares not just so that we can build the blocks that he's created in this ordered world for us to build, but maybe the more important reminder for you and me today, as so many of us are frustrated and scared and as our blocks are, are being knocked over by people and by viruses and by governments and by economies and by just the simple fact that we don't know the future, the most important thing to remember is that while we take care of this, God is taking care of us. God is taking care of us. And if God is taking care of us, friends, we can have faith that we will build again. Because he's with us. 
And this is the, the message that's communicated in Hebrews. The author says in Hebrews 2, it's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. In other words, we're above the angels in the hierarchy of God's creation. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you're mindful of him? That's Job, a son of man that you care for him. The Psalms say that you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. People, friends, this is what the author is saying. And yet at the present time, we do not see everything that is subject to them. The question is, how, might, how can so many bad things still be happening in a world that God has created us to ultimately have dominion over? Well, the problem, Genesis tells us, if we continue two chapters later, is this thing we call sin. This thing we call sin, it's, it's taking our eyes off of God. It's what we talked about last week on Independence Day. We called it Dependence Day because sin is thinking that we are independent of God when the truth is we are wholly dependent on Him. And that's also why we may not fully understand what's going on in this present moment that we're living in, that, that we do not see everything that is subject to us. But Hebrews 2.9 says we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. You can't build the blocks if you're dead. And so in Jesus, we know that, that the worst thing that can happen, our death, is is only the beginning of the greatest thing that God has ever done, and that is that, that Jesus came down and stepped into the blocks to allow himself to be knocked down for a moment in time so that for the rest of eternity we can build with him again. And so with that hope that is instilled in us through the grace of God, the faith that he gives us as a gift, can we pray for that right now? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the truth of your word shows us that when you are present with us, whether it's in the midst of the beauty of creation or it is your spirit hovering over the chaotic waters of this world, Lord God, we know that when we see you, you are all we need. But I'll be the first to admit that I'm no different than the young kid that is afraid of the dark and flips on the switch, Lord God. I, I turn to all sorts of things that at best are reflections of your light, and at worst, they aren't light at all, and leave the darkness feeling even darker. I feel like that's what a lot of us are, are grasping for right now. We're looking for, for hope, and, and sometimes we turn to all the wrong places. And so help us to hear the words of the author of Hebrews that says that while we may not understand everything that you have placed under our feet, we do see Jesus. And Jesus, we see you because you came to become one of us. 
You've been through everything that we've been through. You've been through more than we've been through. And you've gone through death and have come out the other side to show us that if we put our faith and trust in you, we can pray the prayer that you taught us to pray that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we don't just build blocks that are going to last for a hundred years or a thousand years. But Lord God, when we put our faith and trust in you, you call us to live in a kingdom where the towers that we are building in your name will last forever. And I believe that this season of life that we're living in right now is peeling back all of the things that we build that will not last. And, And Lord God, that you're showing us what will truly last. So I pray, God, for the faith to follow you, to follow the one true light. And I pray that that would be an encouragement, a hope, and the source of peace for all those who are feeling far from him. It is in Jesus' name we pray.